interesting today uh, or this week. I had a few chats with different people and um, just this thought of, um, I guess for want of a better term, future-proofing. And I guess uh, it's been touched on already this morning in the testimony and in some of the songs about, um, and we're going to look at some scriptures today which have already been quoted, so that's all good. The Lord's got something to say around this thought of, in the world, it's and naturally, our natural instinct is to uh, build ourselves to a state where we're comfortable and where we believe that in the future we'll be secure and safe. And, uh, you know, for many of us, um, you know, I, I think back to um, my parents growing up in my parents' household and what I saw as a child, and I saw my parents do that. My, my dad, he was, uh, I guess, a particularly good example to me as a, as, a, as a really hard worker. My dad, I don't think I ever remember my dad having less than two jobs. He always worked two jobs. He always was uh, looking, and I guess it's a typical, I guess, of a migrant uh, family. Uh, my dad was grew up very, very poor, so when he had an opportunity to actually go out and get a job and, and uh, make some money, he, he thought he'd get two jobs and make extra money. And so I saw my mum and dad, particularly before they came to the Lord, they were really about trying to build for the future. They were trying to set themselves up in the future um, financially, um, and as a family, I guess they, they look to our future and try to instill certain things of us. And many of us can look to our own upbringings and maybe see the same things. And then we grow up and we become 21. And then we go out there and we do our own thing and we, and we look out there and we see all these people trying to make their way. And you talk to lots of people and lots of people are trying to make, one day I'll have that Ferrari. One day we'll have the six-bedroom, two-storied house with jacuzzi and a rose bush. You know, one day we'll have those things. But um, the Lord kind of has something different for us. When we come to the Lord, all of a sudden, a lot of those things don't really mean a lot to us anymore. And uh, the Lord kind of relieves us of that pressure to try and create this this secure nest for us for now into the future. And so I want to look at some of the things that God sort of um, says to us about, and it's a lot of, a lot of it's about decision-making, I guess, and, and about understanding that as we sang in that last line of that song, yes, I'm yours eternally. And uh, I believe the scriptures are, and, and the Lord really wants us to be focused on our future. And we're going to look at a few uh, stories about that today. So first of all, we're going to look at two, two lads. We're going to look at, turn to Genesis 13 with me. And we're going to uh, just quickly look at um, a couple of points here in the story of Abraham and Lot. They were related. Um, I think uh, Lot was the nephew of, of Abraham, or they were they were close relatives, and uh, they'd uh, gone out uh, into into uh, to the land. And in Genesis 13 and in verse 10, we're going to read some things. Uh, they came. It came to a situation, as many of us know the story, um, that. Uh, and they were quite wealthy, these two guys, and they had a lot of cattle and lots of bits and pieces. And there was a bit of trouble going on with the servants of each of them. They were having a bit of trouble about where they should um, let their cattle graze and all that sort of stuff. And so Abraham, he was uh, a wise man, as we know. And um, in verse uh, 10, or just before, actually, let's go back to verse 8. It says, And Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, 
and between my herdmen and my herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if you depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. So Abraham's sort of saying here, okay, um, look, Lot, I, I, want, I, want things, I want us to get along, and there's a lot of space out there. We probably don't all have to be in this little corner here. Um, you, you choose. You have first choice. You go out and you choose um, the land, um, and I'll go to the opposite place that you choose. And it says there in verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord um, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zohar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, Lot in the cities of the plain pitched his tent towards Sodom. And uh might just leave that there. And, and, and I guess we see here this decision um, that Lot made. I'm guessing, like many of us, he would have, when he was looked at the situation, he would have said, well, okay, it's pretty lush and awesome over there, and it's pretty dry and barren over there. He's given me the choice. Which one am I going to choose? And, of course, he went with the lush and the green, and he, and he, and he, and he took that as, as we read. And he would have waited up and thought, well, there's a future here. There's something pretty good here uh, in this lushness and all this and all this greatness and in this dry and barren area. Well, maybe there's not so much of a future. And I guess maybe in light of what we're talking today, he made a decision for his future, and uh, he might have had the right intentions. But um, it's interesting how the scriptures um, just always they just they just drop a little one-liner in there at the end of verse 12. He says, "And he pitched his tent towards Sodom." And I guess sometimes when we read these things, we do get an understanding or maybe even an inclination of what the true intent and the true uh, matters of the heart of someone like Lot. And we see here, and we know the story of Sodom. We know that Sodom uh, um, was destroyed and it was a desperately wicked place. And um, we're not going to go into that story. But it's interesting that sometimes when we make a decision for our future, we need to consider where we end up and where we go. And it might look all really great, pleasing to the eyes it did in Lot's situation, but we might actually get ourselves further away from where we really want to be, and that's close to the Lord. And we see here that Lot made that decision. And then if you continue to read Genesis and about Genesis 19, a few years later, he's not in that, that land anymore. He's actually popped up in the middle of Sodom, and he's been sucked into that. And I guess um, the warning uh, and, and the encouragement for us is sometimes we need to make a decision that is best for our walk in the Lord and not necessarily best one for our eyes or our natural future. And um, it's, I wrote a couple of things down here. I, sometimes when we make our decisions, we need to understand that our worldly wisdom sometimes might take us away from where God actually wants us to be. And something that might appear to be a wise decision is actually drawing us closer to a situation that might just um, uh, be the undoing of us or make it very tough for us. Um, I said, if you make good decisions, then God will give you the lot. See what I did there? Because yeah, I wrote that down. And went, oh yeah, it's not even funny. Um, if we read on the story, um, oh, we'll read it on in verse fourteen. It says, and Lord said to Abraham, after Lot was separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west, for all the land which you see. To thee I will give it, and to thy seed forever. 
Now, and that's what the Lord says to us. If you make good decisions in your life, you'll get the lot. In the Lord, we can expect the best. We don't have to settle for second best in our life. The Lord has said to us that if we build our house upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, then we will be solid and God will add unto that and we will be a blessing. The scriptures encourage us that as we make good decisions, we're a blessing for our families and our profiting appears unto all for a purpose that God might be glorified. And uh, when we make good decisions, God gives us the lot. You know, and I, I think sometimes, you know, you, you look at, think of your own walk in the Lord, and sometimes, you know, I've been prone to make quite a few bad decisions um, in my time, and, and uh, it's not an excuse for making a bad decision, but when I've made a good decision, it's great to look back on those things and recognize how, how I came to those things, that I put the Lord first. And sometimes it wasn't easy. You know, sometimes I felt like I was going to miss out and that, you know, my future wouldn't be as bright because I didn't take that opportunity. But the Lord reveals unto us in those times where he wants us to be and where it's safe and where we will have, um, uh, yeah, lots of blessings. And I'm going to get you guys to turn to Second Samuel, if you can. And while you do that, I'm just going to quote something out of Second Peter about this situation. Second Peter 2 and verse 7 and 8. If you're taking notes, it says, and, uh, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from the day to day with their unlawful deeds. And it's interesting that, you know, Peter writes this here and he's describing the situation and he's saying, this guy Lot put himself into this situation. And it it uh, it vexed his soul. It troubled him just because he was involved and surrounded by a situation that God didn't want him to be in. And at times, uh, you know, you might think back in your own, own walk in the Lord that you've found yourselves in situations and you've had to do a Joseph and leave your coat there and make the bolt for it and get out. And Lot didn't do that. And Lot actually, he lost a lot. He lost uh, his wife and he lost uh, his um, all his... All that things that he'd built up from the lushness of the greenness of all that land, he lost all of it. And he, and uh, um, and uh, because he placed himself in a situation that only led um, to pain and suffering. Okay, Second Samuel 2. Now I've got to get there. I'm going to read a little bit about another decision. Second Samuel 11. Is that what I said? Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel 11. Now, again, I'm just going to read a little bit about the story. We, we know the story well. It's about David here. Um, and in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rubber and David tarried still in Jerusalem. Now that seems like a fairly innocuous sort of verse. It's like, oh yeah, David stayed behind while everyone else went out to battle. Yeah? Okay? And then we read on. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. 
and we know the rest of the story. And we see here David here um, in, I guess I, I am making a bit of an assumption, but in his complacency when he should have been out there, um, this was a time where um, they, it was the time, it says there, for when the kings go forth to battle, that he should have been out there doing the work of the Lord and he chose to stay behind and send someone else to do the work. And because of that, he ended up being in a situation where um, yeah, his future was jeopardised. Um, we know as a result of him not going out there to, to do to be with battle as the king should, then he actually wasn't allowed to build the house, um, the temple. It was passed on to his son and that, that right was taken away from him. And uh, we know when we read uh, the trouble that David had in his soul because of this situation. And I guess sometimes... Some innocuous things in our life at times present themselves, some situations, and we might withdraw our hand from things or or we might um, um, have a particular thought that takes us away from things when we know we should be with the saints or we should be making good decisions. And we need to understand that sometimes those small decisions impact our future. They impact our future. We sing a song, Where Will You Be in a, in a Million Years? The title of that song is In a Million Years, just quietly for those who were just disputing that. In a million years, where will you be? The decisions that you make today can have an impact in a million years' time. So, in a sense, that's a real encouragement for us to make good decisions that last for a million years of good things to come and not to... Uh, I guess to be carried away potentially by the things that we might see or the, even sometimes the things that we might feel. Even uh, we know uh, our emotions can really trick us into, uh, as, as human beings and you know, that's, a, that's a whole other story. But if we uh, continue to have our eyes set on the things of the Lord and we make good decisions and we, we be where the Lord wants us and tells us to be and we do the things that he's commanded us to do, then we're starting to future-proof ourselves. And it started with us when we were presented with the gospel. We heard our sister today mention that she was presented with John 3. It says, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. She had a decision there for a future. It turned out to be not only a decision for her, but for her children as well. And uh, sometimes we don't we don't recognize those those. Big decisions that we make in life sometimes we need to consider our future. And uh, particularly salvation was one that we can think of in our own walks in the Lord where we considered it and we wanted to be secure with the Lord for eternities. And so we made a step towards the Lord. Okay, Solomon, let's go First Kings chapter 3. Keep it in the family. First Kings 3, just down the road there. 1 Kings 3 and verse 5, it says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, uh, You have shown unto thy, thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And you have kept uh, for him this great kindness that you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it, as it is this day. 
Um, and again, you could probably relate that back to some future proofing that David put in place. He made a mistake, he did the wrong thing, but he found his way back to the Lord and the Lord was gracious and the Lord placed his son there in the kingship. Um, in verse 7 it says, And now, O Lord my God, uh, you have made my servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a child. I know not how to go out and come in, and, and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which uh, you have chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad and who is able to judge this thy great people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because you have, not, because you have asked this thing and has not asked for long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thine understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy word. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honour, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And uh, we see the situation here where... Um, this opportunity arose there for, you know, I guess sometimes maybe my mind gets a bit carried away and it's almost a bit like the genie in the bottle. You know, you've got to, you've got to not that that's real, but um, all of a sudden you've got an opportunity to ask for anything. God says, I'll grant you your wish. What do you want? Oh, mate. What would you go for? You know, a Mr. Whippy machine in the kitchen or, you know, what? Oh, mate, the... The possibilities are endless. But we see Solomon here made a really good decision because, I, I mean, I believe here at this time he considered his future. He considered his situation and he considered the severity and the honour of the position he'd been placed in and then he asked for such a good thing. You know, I, I, I don't know if you guys do the same, but sometimes I'll pop myself into these stories and I think, oh, would I have asked for that? I don't know if I would have. I, I kind of think, oh no, I probably wouldn't have. I would have been blindsided just by the vastness of the opportunity, you know. Oh, can I have, uh, yeah, unlimited credit at Rebel Sport? Yeah, that'd be great, you know, or whatever it is. You just, I sometimes I think, I don't know if I would have been smart enough to ask such a great or respond in such a way. And we know that Solomon um, was blessed. He was uh, considered to be one of the richest guys around naturally, and he was his his wisdom. Um, was went before him and he had such a great reputation at the time we hear about the Queen of Sheba coming down because she recognised how, how wise he was and wanted to seek his counsel and he makes some these wonderful decisions later on you read the story there about the, the two ladies squabbling over the over the child and he just makes a statement and you think wow that's just you know that's that, that's the wisdom of God and um, and it's just you know he made a great decision for his future and uh it's a really good encouragement for us to consider the things that we seek for and we ask for, and also to consider the end of Solomon as well. Um, we know that his end wasn't quite as good as his, his beginning, um, and it was uh, potentially because all of a sudden he looked to try and make his future um, now rather than rather than uh, in in the future. So, um, but anyway, there's some really good thoughts there about recognizing. 
what your future will be and asking for the wisdom to make the right decisions. Cool, let's flick back to Deuteronomy 30. Duet. Duet 30, again, really well-known passages here today. Um, this is Moses speaking to the people. Um, um, what have I got down there? Verse 17. So we might just go over to verse 19. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and thy seed may live, that you might love the Lord thy God, and that you might obey his voice, and that you might cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days which thou mayest dwell in the land, which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, Jacob, and to give them. And I guess so, uh, you know, every day we, we wake up and we get to make a decision for our future. We get a decision to wake up and uh, to serve the Lord and uh, to serve our eternal Father and to recognize that by doing that, we make our salvation and our blessing and our inheritance sure. And it's something that we need to continually do. It's not a, it's, unfortunately, it's not one decision to rule them all. It's something that we have to do every day. We have to get up and we have to say, today I choose life. I choose eternal life. And uh, we focus our, our day around that. We get through that day and then we do it again the next day. We get up and we clothe ourselves with this, uh, with this thought that our redemption is drawing nigh and we want to be there. And uh, our desire is to, uh, is to hold on to our salvation no matter what and make good decisions that we might keep it and we might cherish it and we might love it and uh, that it might uh, that it might just fill fill uh, our every thought um, okay Jeremiah 29 making our way to the new testament now 29 interesting guy Jeremiah you know you read a bit about what he said and he didn't have a whole lot of good news for the people of Israel, did he? He's kind of telling them a lot of stuff that they probably didn't want to hear about their future. And at the very beginning there, Jeremiah is called and he says, I don't want to do this. I think you've got the wrong man. I'm not up for it. And uh, he comes to the realization that it's within him and uh, he, he can't but speak the words of the Lord. And um, I guess at that time where he was kind of wavering, he was probably considering his future. If I go out and tell these guys this, it's not looking good for me. You know, I'm probably going to get beat up on the street and no one's going to pick me for the football team anymore. And, you know, he's probably considering all these things about how the people might respond to what he had to say. But he said, in the end, you know, I can't, I can't shut this thing up. It's going to come out of me no matter what, so I might as well get on board. Um, and he goes through and he says a whole lot of things. And in verse, uh, chapter 29 and verse 11, he says, he, he says this on behalf of the Lord. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me, and uh, when you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, says the Lord. And uh, again, a really well-known passage that uh, is a really encouraging thought to understand how the Lord sees us. And the, I guess the bit here I want to pick out is to give us an expected end. God wants to give us and he wants to be the hope for our future. 
He wants uh, and has our welfare as his main concern. And he wants us uh, to give us a good future. He wants to go and, uh, as, as we know, he sent his son that our future might be in him if we choose that. And um, that's the way the Lord thinks towards us. It's thoughts of peace. It's thoughts of uh, uh, wanting you to grow up to be a, you know, a, a wonderful saint of God that might uh, meet him and be with him in the eternities. And that's his desire for us. Okay, let's go to James 4. just want to look at a couple of um, scriptures now, a little bit more about maybe some practical applications of how we might do that. James 4 and verse 13. It says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And I guess uh, in the light of, of, of this eternal focus that we have, we do have to make incremental decisions along the way in our life. And... Uh, um, we we want our, our, our decision-making to be influenced by this eternal factor and the eternities, but uh, we do have to plan some things and we do have to make some decisions and we do have to do some things. And uh, the Lord is, through the scriptures here, is really um, asking us to put him first in those things here. And he's saying to us here that um, we need to consider him in the decision, that he's saying here to us, well, you can say you're going to do all these things. You can say you're going to go and do that, and I'm going to do that. And we meet, we all know these people, and I'm, I'm a bit of a gonna gonna get a guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to going to go out there. I'm going to walk up the hill tonight. I'm going to go to training. And so, and lots of times I don't. Yeah, I'll be there. I won't. You know. And the Lord's saying to us, you got to be careful about how you conduct your life and you structure it in that way. You know, other scriptures say to us, yea, be yea, and nay, be nay. You know, do the things that you're going to say, understanding that the Lord actually has a part in, in your decisions. For we ought to say, well, if the Lord's, if it's the Lord's will, then that's going to happen. And nothing can go against it. Um, and if I do this, it'll be because the Lord's allowed me to do it, and He'll have blessed that with me. And, uh, sometimes, you know, we really have to be, uh, in tune with the Lord, and we really have to seek Him to, to guide us and to, to make those straight paths for our feet that we might be courageous enough to walk on them and recognise that it is of the Lord's blessing and not of our own planning or, or our own wishful thinking. So the thought here is plan your life in the Lord. Plan your life that you're going to be around for eternities and how will that influence your decision today? You'll be thinking to yourself, well, if it's of the Lord, it's going to happen. If it's if it's uh, if it's um, something that the Lord wants to me and be involved with, He's going to encourage me and strengthen me and give me the ability to do that. So plan your life in the Lord. Plan to do and serve the Lord because God has a plan for you. Okay, Matthew six. Matthew uh, chapter six. Probably know where I'm going now. Matthew six nineteen. 
It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust is corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust is corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, often you read or you hear this quoted, um, often not by people uh, in in the fellowship or spirit-filled people, and they always forget that last verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, that is such an important part, and it's certainly um, it's a very much an eternal way of living. And that is to recognize that if you are laying up treasure in heaven, if you are seeking to yourselves the things of righteousness, if you are putting away the things that uh, and, and uh, uh, giving precedence to the things of the Lord and making that uh, your treasure, well, your heart's going to be there too. That's where you're going to, that's where you're going to live. That's where you're going to thrive. That's where people are going to see that you are hanging out. You're hanging out in the blessing of the Lord because that's, that's where your treasure is, but it's where your heart is as well. It's where your desires are. You know, the scriptures tell us uh, back in the Old Testament there that the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. And I think sometimes that's misapplied. We can go, oh, and I know I've done that. I've gone, oh, sweet. I'd really like a new guitar, Lord. Give me the desires of my heart. But the Lord's saying to us, if we're aligned our hearts with him, we won't be concerned about a rubbish guitar. We'll be concerned about asking for desires that will be there with us in the eternities, that will help to shape us to ensure that we're there, that we hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's not about an opportunity for the Lord to give us all the things that we might like. And there's lots of things that we would like. Because in the natural, you can't help but sort of, you know, we all walk around almost like this little internal list that's sort of like, oh, these are all the things that I like. And you sort of walk, oh, I like this. And you kind of start to build it. It's like building your Christmas list, isn't it? Here are all the things that I like. Now, here's all my desires, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Checking it twice. <laughs> He's going to find out if you're naughty or nice. I don't know if it's in my head. Maybe I heard it. But yeah, no, you just, you make these lists and you, there's these things that you really desire, but are they things that are going to lead you to eternity? You know? PlayStation 4, pretty excited about that at the moment. But at the end of the day, PlayStation 5 will be out next year and, then, and it just keeps going. And that's the way the world works because it's not thinking about its future. You know, Some of us are still on the iPhone 4, 4S and some of us have upgraded to iPhone 6. You know, it's just, It just keeps on going. But if you want to future-proof yourself, you don't have a phone. <laughs> just write letters. Yeah, you, you know what... You know where we're going with this. So laying up treasure in heaven, you know, sometimes it's a it's a it's a concept that we need to continually go back to and to check uh, where where we are with that because of our oh, just just the the world that we live in and, and our natural man can sometimes just take us away from really understanding what that means and putting those things first. Luke twelve. It's interesting, just a little bit of it. Oh, actually, I might talk about that in a minute. Luke 12, verse 15. 
Okay. It says here, um, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground uh, of a certain rich man uh, brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And we see someone here, and we see uh, uh, the impact of this this uh, this element of covetousness is that all of a sudden it breeds complacency in the things that really matter, and it clouds your your thoughts uh, to the point where this guy here is talking to his soul and saying, "She'll be right. It's all good." We've got it sussed. We're okay. Uh, and it goes on and says, um, But God said unto him, You fool, this night your soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And uh, just a wonderful parable here and an encouragement for us to ensure again that we're laying up treasure in heaven, that we understand and we recognize that we need to be uh, um, loving the word of God, that we need to be allowing it to teach us and guide us, that we need to uh, be in continual communication with the Lord through the Holy Spirit, that we need to be seeking his face in the decisions that we make uh, in the, uh, um, and that we continue just to be refined by him, uh, that we're examining ourselves uh, in the light of the word that we might uh, be trying to future-proof ourselves that we're ready for the eternities, that we're not uh, so concerned about what we're being blessed with on this earth that all of a sudden we're having to build bigger barns, that we're all of a sudden having to make more and more decisions about these things because that's what our life has become to the point where you forsake uh, what really matters for your soul. And uh, the Lord's saying to us, lay up treasure, be rich towards God. You know, that's the currency that we, we deal with now. Um, okay, let's finish off in Hebrews 11. So yeah, let's let's make uh, eternal decisions now. Let's uh, be encouraged to um, be involved in the things that will last forever. It's interesting, you know, it's a bit of a... Uh, Pastor Brian gave a talk at convention about the third heaven, and that yet yeah, it's, it's and he made a I thought he made a fantastic point that it's it's great to kind of think about and expect a few blessings on this earth, but it but reach higher, go for the next level, be seeking after the things that sit in heavenly places that'll last forever. Have your mind set there, and they're the things that we want to be involved in, we want to talk about, and we want to we want to um to sort out. And of course, we need to understand what our future is. Uh, this week, um. I uh, had a chat with a with with a bloke, and we were talking about um, uh, Daniel's seventy weeks prophecy as we did on Wednesday. And see, that's what happens if you don't come to the meeting. If you say you do, then we come to you and give you the meeting. And uh, or he came to us and we gave him the meeting. So, and we're just talking about things, and it was interesting to see and that um, this this guy has been spirit filled for over thirty years, and 
doesn't understand what's in his future, doesn't know. Uh, the people that have taught him have been very naughty. They haven't taught him the truth. And uh, he's believed a lie. And uh, we went through the the, uh, the prophecy. And it's important that we understand those things. And for us, for a long time, I grew up in the fellowship saying, oh, it's, oh I don't really need to understand this stuff. Yeah, we'll leave that to all the old guys. Yeah, they can understand all that gear. But prophecy is there for us to teach us and un- for us to understand that in a lot of cases that our past has been set, that God has taken care of all the things in our past and he's wanting us to look to the future. And the prophecies now that are yet to be fulfilled are directing us towards the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand what that's about. We need to understand what's coming, that we don't get tricked out of it by someone who's written a book and put DR in front of their name and said, oh, all this stuff's going to happen. Secret raptures and uh, all these things happening in a seven-year period that these saints are going to be withdrawn away from and Jesus has got a different thing and you're going to hang out with him in some spiritual time out or something. And I'm like, ah, oh, what? It's just bizarre. You know, it's the old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And for us, we need to understand our future. And uh, we need to be sure that we know where we're headed. And we need to be sure we know what's going to happen. It just This time last year, we had uh, Pastor Mark here, and he gave a talk about mistaken identity. And he talked about the Antichrist and how Jesus Christ has come once, and they didn't recognize him. And they said, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. We have no other ruler but Caesar. That's, they didn't recognize who he was. And he's saying, when he comes again, we've got to make sure that we recognize him when he comes. We don't want to be of those that, oh, it's the Antichrist. It's someone who's risen up saying that he's Christ. We don't want to be caught out in the second coming. We want to understand what's coming. And, uh, you know, the encouragement for us is to get into our word. You look into the word and you see your future. And you need to understand it. It's something that we all need to personally get a, get a, get a grip on, get an understanding of, that we understand where we're headed. And this is, uh, we'll finish here in the scripture. In uh, Hebrews 11 verse 13, it's a great chapter of faith here. It's just finished talking about Abraham and, and Noah and, and the like. And it says here in verse 13, these are all died, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were pilgrims, oh, sorry, strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were looking to their future. It goes on and says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And I guess that's the thought I just want to leave us with today is that uh, we seek something better than this life. We seek uh, the eternal kingdoms to come and uh, uh, we need to be future focused so that we might be future proofed so that when the Lord returns, we, uh, we are there with him, that we understand uh, um, that the decisions that we're making now can help us get to that day and be ready for that day. You know, uh, the scriptures tell us uh, to lift up 
our eyes, our redemption draws nigh. And I guess, um, and, and that's sometimes the way we've got to live our life, is that we've got to look up. We can't be so focused on the things of this earth that we forget about being ready for the things of the Lord. Um, we've got some wonderful things in store for us. The scriptures tell us that we're going to rule the nations with Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul admonishes the church and he says, you're going to judge angels. You're going to judge the nations. Get yourself ready. Make good decisions now. Make sure your relationships are good with your brothers and sisters and the way that you treat people and that you can make those things now because you've got bigger fish to fry. You're going to be involved in something much bigger. You know, the Lord has given us now what he calls the down payment of that eternal life, and that's the Holy Spirit. We now can have a glimpse um, through exercising that Holy Ghost in our life, through prayer, uh, through, uh, um, through reading the Word, we can exercise that and we can get a glimpse of our future and we can know it's sure. We can have a great hope that this isn't all there is, that there's better things to come. And uh, if we live our life that way, then in a million years, happy we will be. Little people said, Amen.